Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm your host, Karen Curtis. I remember this story well. I started my journalism career in Hawaii at KGU Radio, but then I moved and got a job in Sarasota at WBRD WDUV. Now, this story happened well after I left Sarasota to go on to television news, but the abduction of 11-year-old Carly Jane Brucia made national headlines in Sarasota on February of 2004. She was walking home after spending the night at a friend's house, and she never made it home. Her parents reported her missing within an hour of her disappearance. They're like, look, she left her friend's house. She should be home by now. She's not here. There's something wrong. Her mom, Susan Shorpin, she knew immediately in her heart, as mothers do, that something was wrong. Please help me bring my baby home. And she was right. A surveillance video at a car wash showed Carly being confronted by a man who grabbed her by the arm and led her to his car. It is a chilling video, and it's every mother's nightmare. The video was taken from a security camera located behind a car wash, and it shows Brucia being confronted by this burly man, later identified as Joe Smith, who grabbed her arm and led her away toward a car that was spotted on another camera. Now, the video was shown nationwide, and it spurred a massive manhunt for the abductor. The tape shows her being abducted by the man who seemed to be in his late 20s or early 30s and apparently they had this short conversation and she doesn't know him you can tell and then he grabs her by the arm and he pulls her away so the car wash owner mike evanoff explains what happened when he rewound the tape and watched it for the first time just came in and saw um, her walking and him walking and it's just uh right away right when i saw it it just drew uh, chills and chills and shivers right in my body Yeah, so he turned it over to police immediately. It's kind of grainy, only 10 seconds long, but really it was the smoking gun, the key to the case. And if you want to see the chilling video, I have it posted at Karen's Crime Blog on 850WFTL.com. Now, the FBI and NASA joined in the effort to find Brucia and the man seen on the videotape. And NASA researchers even tried to tighten up the video image by using advanced image processing technology to enhance the recording by reducing what's called image jitter. Fortunately, once the tape was broadcast all over the country, several people came forward saying they recognized the man in the video. Here's testimony from Edward Dinius, who recognized the suspect on the tape. I seen Joe with the uniform from the backside, from the front side. The way his hair was cut, the the way that he walked, his gait was just like, you know, Joe walking through the shop. I mean, he's got a different type of walk to him. And then when I watched him reach out for the, you know, reach for the girl, I knew it was him. I mean, you hate to think what would have happened if there was no tape. Would they have ever found Joseph Smith? Well, Joseph Smith shocked the Sarasota community by abducting, raping, and killing 11-year-old Carly Jane Brucia. 
was on Super Bowl night in 2004. That was the Super Bowl where the Carolina Panthers lost to the New England Patriots 32-29. And remember, it was the infamous wardrobe malfunction during halftime with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. And here's Janet telling Oprah, it was an accident. What people don't understand is it was an accident. He was to take and rip the piece off that he did, but more came off than what was supposed to. Now, three days after the Super Bowl, the wardrobe malfunction, and Carly's abduction, Joseph Smith is arrested at his home on cocaine charges and a probation violation. And police believe that they had their man who abducted, raped, and murdered Carly Brucia. On February 6th, police announced that Smith, a 37-year-old father of three, car mechanic with a long list of arrests for drug-related charges and one for kidnapping and false imprisonment was in custody as the primary suspect. And in the same announcement, the police confirmed that Smith's car was involved in the crime. Now, Smith kept his mouth shut. He refused to speak with investigators about the abduction until February 5th when he revealed where he had hidden her body behind a nearby church. Here's the Sarasota County Sheriff, Bill Bockwill. The body of a beautiful 11-year-old girl, Carly Rusha, has been found. Joseph Smith is under arrest for the abduction and murder of Carly. So on February 20th, Joseph Smith was indicted on first-degree murder charges, and charges of kidnapping and capital sexual battery were also filed by the Sarasota County prosecutors. The trial started November 7th, 2005, in Sarasota. And John Smith, that's Joe's brother, testified against his own brother and said that Joe told him he killed the girl and where he hid the body. It's kind of hard to understand him when he's on the stand, but... Here's what he said. Did he say anything about how it ended? Well, I asked, he wasn't sure. What do you mean, what did you ask? And try to speak up again, remember, you've got to try to work. I she was dead. And what did he say? He said, I don't know, she could be. Yeah. Now at Smith's trial on November 17th, nearly two years after Carly's murder, the jury deliberates for less than five hours. We the jury find as follows as to count one of the charges. The defendant is guilty of murder in the first degree as charged. You will get yours. Yes, that's Carly's mother. You will get yours. And indeed he did. On November 17th, 2005, the jury returned the guilty verdict. Then on December 1st, 2005, the jury by a vote of 10 to 2 returned a recommendation for the death penalty. And on March 15, 2006, Smith was sentenced to two terms of life imprisonment on the charges of capital sexual battery and kidnapping, and he was sentenced to death by lethal injection on the murder charge. Circuit Judge Andrew Owen said the scales of life and death tip unquestionably toward death in sentencing Joseph Smith. Owen said that Carly endured unspeakable trauma, which began at the time of her kidnapping. The image of the defendant taking her arm and leading her away no doubt will forever be etched in our minds. And during the sexual and physical abuse Carly was subjected to, the judge said at 11 years of age, there's no doubt she was aware of her dire predicament and that she had little or no hope of survival. Joseph Smith threw himself on the mercy of the court. He begged for his life. He told the judge he was sorry. He apologized to Carly's family. He said that he didn't remember much about that day and he hoped they would spare his life for the sake of his family. 
He said that he had taken a large amount of heroin and cocaine on that day in an attempt to take his own life. He obviously failed and went on a drug-fueled rampage. Now, in the aftermath, it's this court case, Hearst versus Florida, which required juries in Florida to be unanimous in imposing the death penalty. And as you heard, his jury verdict was 10 to 2. So his sentence was overturned in 2018. However, the Florida Supreme Court reinstated his death sentence in April of 2020. Smith died at Union Correctional Institution in Rayford at the age of 55, not from lethal injection, but he was found dead in prison on July 26, 2021, last month, while awaiting his execution. And actually, his cause of death has not been released. Now, meanwhile, Carly's mom, Susan, dedicated her life to fighting for the rights of children, but she also battled substance abuse to deal with her heartbreak and was arrested several times on drug-related charges. She died of an overdose in 2017. So Joe Smith remained on death row until July 26, where he was found dead in his cell, and authorities hope that Smith's death will bring closure to Carly's remaining family members. And now in a similar case, referring back to a previous podcast, episode 105, Death Without Parole, there was another murderer who was not on death row but died in prison. At the age of 14, Palmetto Bay Middle School student Michael Hernandez fatally stabbed and slit the throat of his best friend and classmate in a bathroom stall. Now, Hernandez was a wannabe serial killer. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole twice. However... He just collapsed one day and tapped out. Well, now the medical examiner's office in Jacksonville confirmed this week that the convicted killer, Michael Hernandez, died earlier this year from cardiac dysrhythmia attributed to morbid obesity. He was a fat ass. Originally, there was speculation that he had overdosed while behind bars, but that was not the case. Hernandez was 31 when he died on April 29th at the Columbia Correctional Institution near Jacksonville. He had been serving a life sentence for the 2004 fatal stabbing of his classmate, Jamie Goff, at the Southwood Middle School in Palmetto Bay. They were just 14 years old when that happened. Police say Hernandez stabbed Goff more than 40 times, slit his throat after luring him into the bathroom. Well, you know what? Let me allow Michael Hernandez to tell you in his own words exactly what he did to Jaime Goff. Uh, Why did you make the suggestion to Jamie to go inside the school today? Um, I was planning to murder him. This is the chilling audio of Michael Hernandez's confession while in the interrogation room the day of the murder. Keep in mind, he is 14 years old and he shows no remorse. I got him into the stall by saying, look, I have something to show you. So I got him into the stall and I told him to turn around because I wanted to be a surprise. I, t- I was talking to him and I told him, all right, now I'm going to, now I have to put my hand over your mouth. And so I did. And I lifted his neck up. I took the knife out and I proceeded to slit his throat. Did Jamie say or do anything? Did he put up a struggle? Yes, he did. He turned around. After I did that, he asked me not to kill him. So I told him, okay, I'm not going to if you cooperate. Okay. Which was a lie. Right. And so I realized that the stall door was open, so I locked it. Yes. And then I turned him around again and proceeded to stab him. Do you think what you did 
is right or wrong? No, I don't. Well, what don't you think? I think it is neither right, but I don't think it was wrong. Do you know what you did is wrong? Yes, I do. So he knows it was wrong. He doesn't think it was wrong. Thus, the first-degree murder charge for a 14-year-old kid. After Hernandez's death, the Goff said the news of his passing was unexpected, but it did bring them peace. And you know there is always a Florida connection. It was a wicked time in my life. It was a really scary time in my life. I had just been abused by a, a member of a royal family. Ugh, longtime Jeffrey Epstein accuser from South Florida is suing 61-year-old Prince Andrew, accusing him of sexual assault. Virginia Gufrey is the former Royal Palm Beach High School student who's now 38 years old. She claims she was trafficked to and sexually abused by the prince when she was 17 in New York and in other locales. I couldn't comprehend how on the highest levels of the government and powerful people were allowing this to happen, not only allowing it to happen, but participating in it. Now, her federal lawsuit was filed in New York and is seeking damages for battery and intentional infliction of emotional distress. And it comes two years after Jeffrey Epstein took his own life, apparently, in his jail cell. It's not how Jeffrey died, but it's how he lived. And we need to get to the bottom of everybody who was involved with that, starting with Gillen Maxwell and going along the lines there. So, yeah, Ghislaine has her own problems now. And I think the famous photo of Virginia with Prince Andrew's hand around her waist adds credibility to her story. I mean, you just can't can't get around that photo. But here's what Prince Andrew told the BBC about the photo in a recent interview. That's me, but but whether that's my hand or whether that's um, the position, I, I... But I don't... I have simply no recollection of a photograph ever being taken. The people on the inside are gonna keep coming up with these ridiculous excuses, like the photo was doctored, or uh, he came to New York to break up with Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, come on, I'm calling BS on this, because that's what it is. So apparently Epstein's hunting ground, or Ghislaine's hunting ground, was right here in West Palm Beach, across the bridge from Palm Beach. And Gaffrey, of course, was a former Royal Palm Beach High School student who said that she was turned into a sex slave by politically connected financier Jeffrey Epstein and traveled the world, recruited other young women, and serviced Epstein's powerful friends, including Prince Andrew. But I don't, I have simply no recollection. But despite all the evidence against Jeffrey Epstein in 2008, the Palm Beach County judicial system grossly let down Epstein's victims, turning them into prostitutes rather than child sex slaves and rape victims. The Miami Herald broke this story wide open, and a reporter there was able to identify more than 80 girls who had been molested by Epstein. That was dozens more than investigators. And still, Federal prosecutors came up with a secret non-prosecution agreement without ever notifying any of Epstein's victims. We were victimized by Jeffrey Epstein, then re-victimized by the government. Epstein pled guilty and was convicted in 2008 of procuring a child for prostitution and of soliciting a prostitute. 
He served almost 13 months in custody, but with extensive work release. He was placed on the sex offenders list, but that didn't stop Prince Andrew from hanging out with the pedophile. And by the way, that sweetheart deal in 2008 allowed Epstein to sleep overnight in the Palm Beach County Jail, but allowed him to also spend all day at work and at his home on Palm Beach. Palm Beach Police Department was incredulous. One of the things that was so unusual about this case is we had prosecutors who had excellent reputations, yet this case they found reasons not to prosecute. I still think we did everything we could have done in the Palm Beach Police Department and hope the victims know that we had faith in them, we believed in them, and we knew this case should have been fully prosecuted when others did not. And that secret sweetheart deal was brokered by federal prosecutor Alex Acosta, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida. The whole story did not explode until President Trump nominated Acosta to his cabinet as labor secretary. And the Miami Herald dug into the head-scratching deal that he brokered with the billionaire in Palm Beach County. Acosta at the time defended the deal. In our heart, we were trying to do the right thing for these victims. It was, without a doubt, one of the worst failures of the criminal justice system. We did what we did because we wanted to see Epstein go to jail. He needed to go to jail. But he didn't really go to jail. He spent most of his time as a free man. Acosta says federal prosecutors rescued the case from state prosecutors who he says wanted to let Epstein walk. If we had had more transparency, perhaps this case would have gone differently. So Buckingham Palace and Prince Andrew himself emphatically denied that the Duke of York had any form of sexual contact or relationship with Virginia. He denies that it ever happened, and he's going to keep denying that it ever happened. But he knows the truth, and I know the truth. I, I, I have no recollection of ever meeting her. So if the prince decides to fight the suit, and is deposed, then those depositions, just like Ghislaine Maxwell's, could end up being made public. And when Jeffrey Epstein was deposed, he was able to assert his constitutional rights as an American. I assert my federal constitutional rights as guaranteed by the 5th, 6th, and 14th Amendments of the United States Constitution. Now, if Prince Andrew ignores the suit, he could be found guilty in absentia, which would be a public relations disaster for the royal family. Look at it. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I always watch on the television. It's the emotion. No, no, I watch on the television. No, Mummy, if you look into the wind like that, it's like a dear. Well, and we certainly haven't seen a lot of Prince Andrew. He only surfaced after his grandfather, Prince Philip, died, and then they shoved him back in the tower. Isn't it good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because if you did, your neck would break. Would it fall off? They stripped him of his royal duties. Much of this makes Meghan Markle happy, kind of takes the heat off of her, and she's like, see, Harry, C-H, I told you so, your family sucks. Your Majesty, Mommy. And on that note, that wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. Also, subscribe, download, and give me a bunch of stars. I really appreciate you listening, and I wanted you to know that I just surpassed a million downloads. So thank you very, very much. Until next week. That wraps up Full Rigor.